Wow. Worship team, I just want to tell you what I saw during worship. Uh, it was so beautiful, and I, I just feel like I'm supposed to say it in front of everybody. So uh, worship team that was up there this morning, and I think this applies to everybody that, that is on the worship treasury as well. But what I saw is different colors of perfume coming up from each person. And, and I, I thought at first glance that it was a um, one-way thing. And the Lord showed me that it was a connection line. Different colors of connection. And so I want to declare over you, worship team, that that wouldn't be a Sunday thing only. Would you guys just put your hand toward the stage or toward a worship teamer that you see? We just declare right now over the worshipers that lead the worship in this house that there will be a week-long daily connection, lifeline, secret place connection with the king. Amen? Whoo! I want to start with this declaration because our, month, this, our, our theme this month is Thy Kingdom Come. I want to start with Psalm 145, 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Isn't that a beautiful declaration? But if you look back at verse 1, this is how he starts. I will exalt you, my God, the King. And I just, when I read that this week, I saw a bunch of people believers, a bunch of my brothers and sisters, I saw a picture of you waking up in the morning and that being the first thing that you say. And I think it, I think it was prophetic. I think I was seeing what's going to happen in the midst of this chaos that before we take our phone and open up the news app, we would say, my God, the King. Will you just say that with me? My God, the King. And it's from that position, it's from that place that we can walk in kingdom power. We can act like, we can have all the right things to say. But if we don't position ourselves in, my God, the king, then we're going to remain disturbed, right? Connecting with that king in a regular, rhythmic daily kind of pattern, life pattern way is our only hope. Amen. And what I want to look at this morning is one of our greatest weapons as the people of God, connecting with the Father through prayer. That's a weapon. And God highlighted the word connected to me this week, connected and positioned. And I was drawn to the life of Jesus, the prayer life of Jesus. I want to look at that with you today. Prayer was such a rhythm in the life of Jesus that his disciples figured out this must be a key to something, right? This must be a key to the presence that he's carrying. This must be a key to the miracles that he's operating in. This is the key to the way he loves so well. So what did they ask him? 
We don't have any record of them asking, teach me how to say what you say when you heal. Teach me how to get words of knowledge. No, he, they might have asked that, but the record, the question that we have is teach us how to pray. That was so central to his life. Of all the things they could have been taught, they knew, hey, Jesus, this isn't something that's coming naturally to us. Teach us. It's okay to say, teach us how to pray. We need this. We, we need what you have. And I think that we see prayer so often as a survival tool. And it is. It is a survival tool. But, but when we see prayer as a last-ditch effort, I'm going to cry out when I need a breakthrough, when I need help, when I need a blessing, if we only see prayer like that, then we're not living what Jesus modeled. And that was a connectedness of heart to the Father that was a daily thing. It wasn't only a crying out thing. It's a good thing to cry out to him when you need help. But I don't want that to be my only connection to him. Prayer is it can't be seen as that last-ditch effort that when I've done all else, then, oh, yeah, get on my knees. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. The disciples saw how prayer moved Jesus' heart to action. And I feel this. I, I just want to say I'm so thankful to be a part of a body that there are so many groups that value prayer. But there's more. There's more of a corporate connection in prayer for us. There's more. And I just want to repent for having thought for many years that the, the intercessors will take care of it. I want to repent for that. That taking, almost a taking, taking for granted the connection we've been offered. The disciples saw that Jesus gave up possible times of rest, and he needed it. He needed it. He, he would go alone to pray, and, and that they saw that rhythm in his life that he would get alone. And I can imagine, you know, they're staying in somebody's house. They wake up, and, oh, he's gone again. His palate is empty. Man, I, ah, I just wish that he would get some rest. You know, but he would go, and he would get away, and and pray, that was his lifestyle. That's what gave him peace. That's what gave him courage. That's what gave him connection to the Father. Let's look at Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It said, the news about him, Jesus, it was spreading further and further, and the crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Luke chapter 6. Here's another one. Now it was at this time he was getting ready to choose his disciples. And he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer with God. And then when the day came, he called his disciples to him. He, he knew, I have to hear I have to connect with the Father before I make this decision so valuable to him. Luke 22. 
And this was just after the Last Supper with his disciples before he was crucified. In verse 39, he says, it says, And he came out and went, as was his habit, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. And now when he arrived at the place, he said to them, Pray that you do not come into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and began to pray. And there's so many more passages like that. He got alone. They saw him. They, they had to know. We have to know how you're doing this. <laughs> and if prayer was necessary for God in the flesh to have an effective ministry, it's certainly necessary for us. It's the fuel. It's the fire for action. We don't take action and then pray and hope we did the right thing. Oswald Chambers says this, Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. It's the action that stems from prayer that will have an effect. So may the attitude, is all you're going to do pray? May that attitude forever be removed from the people of God. It is the greater work. It's where we will receive the directive for action. It's more than just, oh God, help me. Oh God, be with me. Oh God, I'm scared. Those are good prayers. But there's so much more. There's a connection. Oh. And here's how Jesus described it. Let's look in John 5, verse 19. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son me, Jesus, can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in the same way. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will be amazed. He was saying, I have to hear what Papa says so that I can say and do what he says to do. And a little later in John chapter 12, verse 49, he says the same thing. For I did not speak on my own, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and to what to speak. Right? He knew. God incarnate knew I have to have connection with the Father. I have to hear what he's saying. Do what he says do. That is kingdom prayer. So connection. We're made for this kind of connection. You're made for it. It's not just the intercessors that are made for it. It's not just those people of seasoned prayer that are made for it. We're not on the outside looking in at those people. You are one of those people. If God has called you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, you are a connected one. Amen. So the question for us this morning is, are we content to live without the connection, the kind of connection that Jesus had to the Father? Are we content to just have what we've got? To understand the purpose and the necessity of connecting with God in prayer on the earth, we need to know, we need to go back to the gospel. So I'm going to take us back to the simplicity of the gospel because I think it's important, even though we know it, we need to hear it in the context of why pray. 
God's original plan started in Genesis 1 at creation when he created humans in his image to represent him, right? Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Subdue and rule. In Psalm 8... Let's look at, uh, well, let's look at verse 3 in Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you think of him and a son of man that you are concerned about him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God and you crown him with glory and majesty. You have him rule over the works of your hands. You have put everything under his feet. In verse 6, that word rule is the Hebrew word mashal, and that is to manage, to steward, to govern, that the earth is our assignment. Because what God intended for Adam, he intended for us. The earth is your assignment. We are to tend it, we are to guard it, we are to protect it, we're to be watchmen on the earth. You, not just the intercessors. <laughs> I'll probably say that over and over. We were meant to be in partnership with God. We were meant to be in partnership in charge of the earth. What a risk. What a risk God took when he put humanity in a mashal position, in a governing, stewarding position. Why did he set it up that way? Because he wanted connection. Because he wanted a family. Because he wanted somebody to personally relate to. He wanted children, and he knew it was a risk. He knew that. He knew that he, if he had image bearers walking around on the earth, they could choose some other way. That humans had the ability to give rule away. And when Adam chose to rebel, that's exactly what he did. In fact, when Satan is tempting Jesus in Luke chapter 4, look at what he said. Satan led Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I'll give you all this domain and its glory for it has been handed over to me. And I give it to whomever I want. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. And Jesus replied to him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He said, This has all been handed over to me. And then Jesus called Satan the ruler of this world three times in the book of John when he was teaching his disciples. So Adam was supposed to be the governor. And when he failed, his sin opened up the door to death. His sin opened up the door to 
the wrong ruler on the earth. And God sent the last Adam to fix it. Amen? The one who was made to be a mediator, Adam, was made to be an image bearer, a go-between, a representative, now needed a mediator. (laughs) And Christ came, and through the sacrifice of his blood, he became our great go-between. He became our intercessor, representing God on the earth. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 28, one of the very last things he said before he ascended? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples. Oh, he's got it now. <laughs> Look at 1 Timothy 2, verse 5 with me. For there is one God. And one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus would have been lost in the garden. The connectivity between man and the Father, Jesus reclaimed the life flow. Man had become dead on the inside, self-centered. The choice to sin, the choice to rebel, it was a choice to disconnect, to pull the plug. And Jesus brought us back to the Father. He made the way back. So when I come and I pray in the name of Jesus, I have a mediator at the throne of God. Father, this is one of mine. This is my daughter. She's praying in my name. And then the Father will respond, come. When I pray in the name of Jesus, I have a great go-between. Ooh, I'm so thankful for that. Pastor Steve, he spent the last two Sundays talking about how we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been rescued. We've been brought into the kingdom. And because our position with Christ is a firstborn position... We're firstborn heirs with Christ. We have that position. Then we have access to a double portion inheritance. And part of that inheritance is connection. I can believe with all my heart that I have access to the same kind of connection that Jesus had. And the other part of that inheritance is position. Connecting, coming to the Father in prayer is one of the gifts of salvation. Not just your position in eternity. Your, posi- your connection to the Father. Just close your eyes right now. If you, like me, have taken that connection in prayer for granted as, as one of the gifts that's been given to you in salvation, I just invite you to just repent right now before the Father Just thank him for the gift. Thank you, Lord. In order to take our position in prayer, we need to know the answer to why pray. And there's all kinds of theology floating around, and I'm not even going to touch on the sovereignty of God and, and all of that. But why pray? Why did Jesus need to pray? 
Why did Jesus pray, thy kingdom come? Why did he teach us to ask for our daily needs? Why did he say, ask for laborers to be sent into the harvest? Aren't all of these things God's will? I mean, why do we need to talk and ask the Father for something we know he already wants to do? This is part of our position on the earth. In the Old Testament, let's look at two Old Testament stories, well, maybe one, that supports this concept of prayer releasing God's will. We see Elijah taking his position. It's in the book of 1 Kings, but I want to look at the James chapter 5 account. Elijah takes his position in prayer. And you can go look at that story in 1 Kings. God had, God had said, it's going to dry up. There's going to be a famine. There's going to be a drought. And then when it was the right time, he had Elijah begin to pray for it to rain again. <laughs> Verse 16, the effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Hmm. He took a heaven-connected-to-earth position. Prayers release the power of God to accomplish his will. Do you believe that? It's not arrogant to say that. And, and the enemy wants us to think it's arrogant to say, I have a position in prayer on the earth. So if you thought it was arrogant to say, my prayers release the will of God, get it out. Brush off the lie. In Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is spending time, he's studying the, the book of Jeremiah, it would have been the scroll of Jeremiah the prophet. And he sees that Jeremiah had prophesied that the captivity of the Jews would last 70 years. And he looks at his calendar and he's like, that period's almost over. Wait, I'm alive during that time, right? He could have just said, wow, that was promised. That's really exciting. Let me sit back and see what happens. But in Daniel chapter 9 verse 2, it says, I, Daniel, observed in the books the number of the years which was revealed as the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet for the completion of the desolations of Jerusalem, 70 years. So I gave my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and pleading with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Let's skip ahead to verse 20. While I was still speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God in behalf of the holy mountain of my God. While I was still speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, the angel, the, one of the warrior angels, shows up, whom I had seen in the vision previously. He came to me in my extreme weariness about the time of the evening offering, and he instructed me. Whew, Powerful. And he talked with me and said, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas, the command was issued, and I've come to tell you because you are highly esteemed. So pay attention to the message and gain understanding of the vision. 
And then Gabriel, the messenger from God that was commanded to come, when Daniel began to pray, wow, gives him understanding. Do you understand your role in seeing the promises of God come to pass? Do we believe that they might not come to pass if we don't release them? If we don't begin travailing for them, pressing in, asking for them? Wow. In the New Testament, Jesus teaches his disciples, ask. Ask, and here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a heaven-to-earth connection. Here's some of the statements he made. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask in my name, it will be done for them. Prayers move heaven. Prayers move heaven. It's not arrogant to say that. See, that that lie has kept believers from thinking that it does anything for them to get in their prayer closet. Oh, it does something. It connects you to the Father heart of God first. And then when you hear what he says to do, when you hear what he says to speak, in that position, we release the purposes of God. Jesus said, abide in me, remain in me, and when you ask, it will be done for, me, for you. Apart from me, you can't do anything. So stop trying to do stuff on your, in your own power, in your own opinion. Opinion's a big word right now. What if, before we got on some platform to speak our mind, we heard his mind? Be a lot more silence, I'll just tell you that. And there'll be a lot more release of his kingdom in the secret place where nobody sees it. It's valuable if nobody knows about it. That's a lie too. It's valuable even if you don't post it. Your connection with heaven is real, even if people don't see a picture of you with your Bible open and your cup of coffee and your feet kicked up. It's real. It's okay to do that. That's if you're spurring people on. But I'm just saying, is your connection real if nobody knows about it? Jesus said, my father will reward what's been done in secret. (laughs) Pastor Jack Hayford defines prayer this way. Prayer is essentially a partnership of the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God toward the realization of his redemptive purposes on the earth. God, I want redemption on the earth. What do you want me to speak? What do you want me to pray? So it's from that position of knowing I'm a co-laborer with God. Say that out loud. I'm a co-laborer with God. It's from that understanding that God's will will be released on the earth. And it's from that understanding that we can know now what Jesus meant. When the disciples asked him, teach us how to pray. And this was his answer in Matthew 6, verse 9. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Some translations say, May your name be kept holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, our debts. As we have also forgiven our debtors. 
the ones who sinned against us, the one who there's tension with, forgiven them in advance. And do not lead us into temptation. Don't let me yield to temptation ahead of time. He's saying, pray like this. Ahead of time, I'm asking him to protect me from letting my guard down. But deliver us from evil. I want to look at this more closely for a few minutes. And there's so much in that prayer. That prayer was not meant to be, it's, it's awesome. If you're repeating that word for word, that's great. That's powerful. But Jesus said, pray in this way, meaning that each of those lines has meaning for us. When I'm saying, our Father who is in heaven, Jesus is, wow, he's making an incredible statement. He's saying, with a correct view of God, pray this way. Our Father, you see, in Jewish culture, in the religious Jewish culture of Jesus' day, God was honored as creator God, as powerful king, and even as father of Israel. But Jesus was using the phrase in his ministry so much, my father, I do what he says. I hear him. I see what he says, what he's doing. Boy, it frustrated the, it was, they were so angry. In fact, at one point, it was that phrase that he used, our Father, that caused them to want to find a way to kill him. It's a correct view of God, our Father. But then when he says, who's in heaven, it's both sides. It's you're tender and you're, you're loving and I can be connected to you, but you're also the transcendent one. There's a holiness. I can be connected to the one who's being worshipped 24-7 in heaven. Hallowed be your name. May your name be kept holy. This is how I'm starting my prayer, right? May your name be revered in all the earth. It's a personal plea as well. Teach me how to treasure you. Teach me how to keep you holy in my own life. And here we go. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let your word be obeyed. God, let your will be done. Not mine, not what I think needs to happen right now in this nation. Your will be done, God. What are you saying? i got to hear it so I can release it. Let your power and your love be known. Save those who are not part of your kingdom. I was just, I, I felt grieved this week that we would have a greater burden as the children of God to see politics set up the way we want than we would be crying out for the harvest. That it would bother us more. What's happening in Washington would bother us more than souls dying. Every two seconds that don't have Jesus. What are you more bothered by? Let your will be done. Isn't all a political statement. In fact, it probably wasn't at all. <laughs> Let your will be done. And we, we, we had a beautiful gathering of prayer in Washington. And I'm not devaluing that because when I see those pictures, I'm, I'm awed. 
people would get on a plane and go and gather in a solemn, and much of it was solemn. Don't let that lie get you. Much of it was this solemn gathering of like, we're here because we know our position. The enemy hated it, so he's distorted it, and I'm sure there was all kinds of distortion happening. But can we be thankful that there were that many people willing to get on a plane or get in the car for 26 hours and gather and pray? That is encouraging to me. I hope you're encouraged when you see gatherings of believers praying because that is our hope on the earth. It's to be those who know our connection and know our position. You see, Jews at the time of Jesus were waiting for God's kingdom to come. And there was this longing for a physical throne and physical leadership to to physically set them free from the oppressive rule of Rome. So they had this idea in their own mind of what your kingdom come means. I just want to encourage us that if we're not looking at the kingdom of God in front of us who's preaching Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to us, if we're not looking at Jesus, he's there, that's the kingdom of God. See, they missed it. When Jesus was being questioned by Pilate, this was his answer. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this realm. So there's this invitation to get our eyes off what we see and ask him what he sees. What do you see? Guard my heart from fear. Because your kingdom is not of this world. In fact, I'm only going to see his kingdom partially manifested in this age. Right? I long for the day when Jesus returns and his kingdom is fully manifested as Jesus is physically reigning on this earth. So when I pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done here, it begins with personal obedience. In my own life, all those things that Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. When I see people freaking out right now, I see, because probably because I've been studying this, We need prayer lives in the body of Christ. We need prayer lives. We need not just a throwing it up once a week. We need prayer lives. We need call upon me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things you don't know. Call upon me so you can see the great and mighty things. Do you believe that when you ask your kingdom come, that he will transform your sphere of influence? When I say your kingdom come, I'm not always praying for Washington and the UN and, and, you know, wars in other nations. Yes, there's a place for that. But, But are you saying your kingdom come in this sphere right here? Deliver me from temptation so I can be a vessel of your kingdom. Come right here. Who are you calling me to disciple? Who are you calling me to lead? Who are you calling me to bring the kingdom to? See, I have this great expectation right now. If all you felt is dread, then start praying. I have a great expectation 
that God is waking up his bride. Wake up. Wake up. Connect to me. It's okay that we are seeing darkness exposed. That's okay. Is the darkness a good thing? No. Darkness exposed calls people of God to their knees. Are you going to your knees or are you wringing your hands? Because my God, the king, is not wringing his hands. Charles Spurgeon said this. He was a great preacher in the late 1800s. And he said, whenever God determines to do a great work, he first sets his people to pray. So when I say, our Father in heaven, your name be exalted in all the earth. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's from that position of those three statements that I can start asking for things. And then we say, give us this day. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. It's from that position. It's over the last 10 to 20 years, God has been raising up thousands of prayer ministries all over the world. If you don't know, get online and look. You can get on uh, International House of Prayer, and you can go to the tab that says Connections, International Connections, and <laughs> Houses of Prayer all over the world. Do you know that that is a sign of the times? That's exciting. Will you be part of that? Let's have the ministry team come, and I want us to stand. Will you be part of bringing God's kingdom to earth? Who Are you satisfied with the connection you have now? Which it might be amazing, but there's always more. There's always more. There's always more. Next week, Nate is going to be talking about practical uh, steps to developing a prayer life. Because we really felt like we needed these two pieces. We need to know why pray and we need to know how do I start. It's okay that it's awkward. That's why the disciples said, teach us how to pray. It might take you five, ten years to figure out how to make it a rhythm in your life. It's not a duty. I hope we all grasp that and really get that inside of us. Prayer is not an act. It's not a work. Sometimes it is work, like Daniel. In the next chapter, in Daniel chapter 10, he had to pray for 21 days before he saw any type of result. And an angel shows up to him and says, hey, the first day you started praying, I was dispatched. But it took me 21 days because I was warring with the prince over Persia. He was warring with a principality and he couldn't get through. He said, uh, Michael came and took over for me so I could get to you. That's not a children's fairy tale. That is what's happening when we pray. Will you take your place? Pray with me, God. We want to learn to engage you in conversation. We want to learn how to listen to you. Whew. Whew. Now, let, just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. 
Because what I want to invite you into this week is a fast of something that's keeping you from personal prayer time. So I just want, to, I want you to let the Holy Spirit tell you what that is. It might be sleep. It might be Netflix. It might be staying on the phone all the time. Whatever it is. Holy Spirit, speak to us, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We want to be people of prayer. Mm. Jared, can you put on a little music here? And God, we just, what we're asking right now is teach us how to pray. We're hungry. And there may be some of us in this room that say, pray, connection. I mean, I've never been connected to Jesus. I don't even know what that looks like. And I want to invite you to come up to one of these prayer teams and give your life to him. Give your life to Jesus. Say, I want to be part of this. I want to be used to bring his kingdom on the earth. I want to be connected. I know I'm meant for position. I know I'm meant to take my place in my, where I work and, and affect people. For the rest of us, I just want us to use this last few moments. If you need healing in your body, I invite you to come up to these teams. Also, if you have felt a block every time you close your eyes to pray, if you have felt a block and you just can't get through it, I want to invite you to come up to one of these teams and pray with them. Seek the Lord with them. And the rest of us, I just want us to right here invite a spirit of prayer into our lives. The same connection that Jesus had with the Father. Just start crying out to the Lord. Just start inviting the Lord to teach you right now. Let's just take this time. We invite you to release your kingdom power in our lives. Start with me. Start with teaching me where I need to obey you. Speak to me. Teach me how to glorify your name. How to keep your name holy every day. I want us to start crying out for our nation. From this position that we understand today. Right now, just start releasing. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would show each person in here part of your will for this nation. <laughs> right now, we want to know your will so we can pray your will. Isn't that simple? So he tells us, what to say back to him. That's super simple. Holy Spirit, show us. Show us something that you have for America. Show us. Give us a love. 
our nation like you love our nation. Give us a love for the lost like you love the lost. We confess agenda. God, we confess. Not coming to you in humility. Coming to you with opinion and agenda. And you're so merciful. You're so compassionate. You would rather have us talk to you, even if we're complaining, than not talk to you. But I'm asking for another level for all of us, God. Coming up higher. Starting from a place of humility. And listening to you. What's done in secret, he will reward. Give us an eternal vision for prayer, God. We may not see the fruit of it here, but there's something happening. That we wouldn't lose heart, that we would continue. Because our deepest desire is to be connected to you the way we were made to be. Oh, God. Phil, would you come up? Some of you in here may, may be really overwhelmed. I feel like the Holy Spirit said that. Like, I don't even, I don't know how to pray. I feel really awkward when I pray. And I just want to encourage you to get with somebody that you know prays this week. Call them. Humble yourself and just say, hey, I don't know how to start. Would you pray with me? I encourage you to come up, up these stairs on Sunday morning. Wrap around like you're going up to the baptistry and then wrap around again. Listen and, and engage with people that pray. Learn how to pray. Be around the family that prays. Yeah, it was just a confirmation for me. I mean, I've just, uh, the, the idea of a corporate fast has been on my heart, but I just, it, it just, it was right there as to what we were to do. But when you brought that today, I'd like to extend that out as a 21-day fast. Yeah. And what I would ask is 21 minutes to be given. Why 21 minutes? Because 20 minutes we can set our clock, but 21 minutes we might just get lost in prayer and it might go on for Amen. 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes more. You never know. And that might even turn into an hour. But 21, 21 days is that point of breakthrough. 21 is a number of maturity. It's a number of adulthood, of coming into what the Lord has for us. But just as importantly, 21 is also the number of days it takes to change and have a new habit. Amen. It takes 21 days for a new habit to be established. So what I would just encourage everyone in this room, it just... Would you just ask the Lord and, and just take that time? It might be in the morning. It might be at noon. It might be in the afternoon. But could we give 21 minutes? And I just love the idea of 21 because you almost have to be very specific and strategic about it. Yeah. Okay, 21 minutes with the Lord in prayer. And I just believe after 21 days, there is going to be such a cultivation of a habit of prayer, of a lifestyle of prayer in this body. Amen. Oh, man.
I'm so excited Thank by you, that. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes. So we'll get some more information out that we'll send that out tomorrow as well, just as an invitation into that. But but 21 days starting tomorrow, 21 minutes. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, Thank you, Jesus. you, Father. Thank That's you, good. Father. Thank you, Jesus. If if you're a, a parent that has a child next door, uh, we just ask that you'd head over at this time and get them as well. Please join us next week. We have Nate Harris, and also the week after that, we have Dr. Sam Matthews. And uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Sam is going to come in, and uh, he's just such a kingdom person and kingdom man. He's just going to share perspective on what what God is doing just around the world as he as he travels as well. So, be blessed. Uh, take some time with each other as well. Yes, and there's also a table sign up at the back for Kingdom uh, Life. Uh, we do ask that you register for that. Kingdom Life, uh, we're actually going to be people within our body who are going to be bringing uh, words of encouragement on uh, stepping into higher revelation, higher solutions around you. So make sure you, you visit the table at the back. Marilyn's back there. Uh, we, we do ask that you register for that just so we have a head count. Bless you.